What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz C. No Roper, and we are here for Amplifier Community Connection event. This is our last event of the year, and we had to go out with a bang, man. We had to go out. We had to go across the waters with this one because, you know, uh, a lot of times we, we, we do a lot of things domestically, but I want to make sure we get that international knowledge as well. So I had to bring a good friend of mine who hails from Kentucky. I'm going to let him tell you his story, but he's worked with everybody. The best thing that I say when it comes to TC is you might want to ask him who he hasn't worked with instead of asking him who he has worked with. I think the list of people who he hasn't worked with is shorter than the list of people who, who he has worked with. So none other than my good brother, Tyon TC Mac. What's up, my brother? How you doing, man? I'm well, man. How was your flight, man? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I had first class. I wasn't tripping about hey, man, it. Hey, man, we tried to we tried we, we tried to keep up with the Joneses, man. I know they'll fly you all across these places in coach to come write these hit records you got going that's on. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so listen, man, I want to walk into the journey. So you were born in Kentucky, right? You from right. Kentucky? What part mm -hmm. of Kentucky? Paris, Kentucky. Paris, Kentucky. Where yeah, is that close small to? Small town, small town. By Lexington. Lexington, by Lex. And uh, growing up, man, did you grow up in church? How, how was music an important, integral part of your life, man? Well, uh, I think music has always been a part of my family in some kind of way. Um, church is definitely like the focal point for all black, usually all black people, you know what I'm saying? So my family is rooted into the church. But also me learning later on that, you know, music has been always sent down to us from slave days. Right. So from the slave masters to the, the slaves, which were my descendants, like they taught them how to play the piano to entertain their guests. So from there, like music has always been in our family heavy. Dope, man. So the young TC, man, when did you realize you had a gift when, when it comes to writing, bro? I, you know, I never wanted to write. Right. Honestly, I never wanted to write. I just wanted to sing. I just wanted to be a singer. I'm like, you know, I'm going to sing these songs. I'm going to kill it, you know. Mm -hmm. But it never really registered to me that I wanted to be a songwriter until uh, I was working with this producer named Nas 550. And he used to just remake all of these, like, songs for me. And a lot of people knew me as a cover artist. Like, anything that you could think of, I was just covering it. Mm -hmm. So one day he was just like, you know, you have an amazing gift. You rearrange these songs to make it sound like you, but you're not writing none of the records. So listen, I'm done doing covers for you. So I'll send you some tracks and you can, you know, write every song that you write. I'll do whatever cover you want. And that's how I started. That's what's up, man. And that, and that, that spot, how old were you around this time? Uh, I think I was about, I was a teen, 13, 14. Youngster, yeah, yeah youngster, yeah. still in school, middle school, yeah. 13, 14, that's high school, middle school age. Yeah. Word. Now, I want to tell the story of how I came across TC, right? So, there was this, a lot of y'all are maybe too young, so y'all may not be familiar with this, but there was a, a platform called MySpace. And on MySpace... It allowed you to leave voice memos. This was this it was, was prior. Vine. Huh? The, vo the voice memos was called like Vine or something. Right. So yeah. you were able to leave voice memo. We had we done we've done this record. We did this record. My sister Shay, myself, Rico Love, and the Corner Boys. We did this song called "I Wish You Love Me." Right. For for the art, we had did the demo first, and for some reason TC was the master 
at getting the demos. I'm like, how the hell he be getting the demos? So he got the Lachey version of the song. Nobody had the Lachey version besides besides us. But somehow, TC, I think I think he used to be the person back in the day. I wasn't everybody. hacking nobody's computer. <laughs> my stuff it. was hacked all the time, though, but you I wasn't. You get an email, and they'd be like, uh, this is Brian Michael Cox. Can you send me your songs? That's true. <laughs> they used to have it all the time. Yeah, they were like, how do you got how this? Do you get, right. <laughs> but anyway, TC must have had, he got the Lachey version of the song. This was before it actually came out on Tanisha Kelly. And... On my MySpace page, you was able to leave a voicemail type of thing. So on the on on my voicemail, I hear somebody singing the hell out of the song, and I'm like, so we we and we're actually in the studio. So I say, Rick, D Town, P, y'all come, Shay, listen to this, and and Rico was like, who is that going crazy on the song? So I was like, this is artist TC. He was like, man, he a problem. Now this happened. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna use years. These are not the correct years, but just to give you how long of the, in between it was. So this, let's say this was 2000. So I'm in the studio. So, so me and TC end up exchanging information and talking like via text message or something. So we're in Atlanta. This was maybe 2004. We're in Atlanta. We're at the studio called the Artist Factory. And we're in there working with the artists from Def Jam or something. It was 2007, 8, because I went to Atlanta like 2007, 8. Okay, so that's what it was. I was still in school. School. So it was maybe 2007. Okay. So well, I'm in the studio, and I hear this voice, somebody talking. TC talking, like, hey, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he got a voice. You're going to know it's him. So I'm like, but I never met the man in my life. So I hear the voice, hey, blah, 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 blah. I say, yo. Bro, what's your name? You, you, are you TC? He like, yeah. I'm like, man, I'm Chad, bro. We like, oh, what's up? So we end up hugging like, like we knew each other for 50 years. But I end up meeting him in the studio on a on a humbug, random. just on some random. He was in a session with an artist, and we were in a session with a whole other artist in another room. And then from that moment, I'm like, dog, give me your number. You gotta come by the crib, and we start working. And literally from that moment, yeah, we we still work. I think we just did a record last week or something, right? <laughs> One of your joints. So from that moment on, all the way to now, we've been working and you know back and forth. But I was a a kid, kid. Absolutely. Like I was like fresh in the music industry, right? Um, and you know I met Rico Love with you that right. day because I was in the A room. A room, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like Rico Love is in there. That's crazy. Like I yeah, love bro. this. I remember that vividly, man. But literally, that started our business, our our friendship. It's like my little brother, man. And this just started from there on. We just been doing everything ever since, and. I tell that story because a lot of times we don't, we do not take our social media, the 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 gift of we use it for the wrong purpose, but we don't use it for the gift of social media. And I think me and TC have made a lot of money together, and had we not taken that gift of social media and using it in a positive way, there. He still was going to get the records he got done. I still was going to get the ones I got done. But the thing is, the collaborative effort and the things that we've done, I can think of records that changed, that done some changing things in the industry that right. the people, we, we would go places, they were like, yo, I heard that such and such record, that, that Brandy record y'all did or whatever. So I, t I say this story because I want people to understand the importance of using the social media for your benefit. You can make a lot of connections, lifetime connections. You can make a lot of a, a revenue off of it as well. So make sure you take it just that serious. Let's get back to your story, T. So you moved to the A. Who's the first group, uh, first writers, producers, and everything you worked with? Um, 
Okay, so I was a huge fan of The Clutch. The Clutch, yeah. So Carrie Hilson. Carrie Hilson, Candice JQ, Nelson, JQ, Candace, yeah. uh, Blewa, yep. and um, uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Ezekiel, yeah. So anything that they did, I was just covering it, you know. And so I would send it to Candice. I would send it to Carrie Hilson. I had did this song that she came out with. If you send it, and she can put it, I could put no, I could put it down, dun, 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 mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So Carrie heard that, and she was like, "How the hell? Like, how did you get the instrumental?" And I'm like, "My boy remade it." So it, that's how great he was too. Mm -hmm. So me remaking these songs and then actually um, sending them to the artists, the artists were actually listening to my stuff. And this is before like the streaming era, so I had a. Uh, a page like SoundClick, mm -hmm. and um, I was getting like almost a million views, like a streams per month, just yeah. off of that. You it know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my social media, I was at the beginning of social media and doing covers and mashups and and taking one song from another beat and putting another song to it and different stuff like that, or doing remixes of the original artist and duetting it. Like, I was one of the first people, like, putting stuff out there like that. So I think that's what kind of, like, catapulted me into, like, the industry. Because people was like, you the little dude from uh, <laughs> from MySpace. You the one from YouTube. You right. the one in, at that time, visibility wasn't really a thing for, like, right. songwriters Absolutely. Stuff. You were behind the scenes. Yeah. Absolutely. But because I was getting demos and different stuff like that, I started taking into account the people that were behind the artists. Absolutely. And so I started doing my research, like LaShawn and uh, Kanisha Pratt, mm -hmm. um, people that work with Rodney, Anisha, A-plus, yep. all of them. Like, I was such big fans of all of those. So I reached out to people that I admired and that I looked up to. Absolutely, man. And, and and the crazy part, what y'all don't know, he what part he forgot to tell y'all, the way he was recording, he would use the left side of the headphones. Yeah. And record the songs. But you couldn't tell because however he mixed it, it would sound so crispy. It was like he was in a big boy studio. The man I we we actually I was like, man, how are you recording his records? And he told me the process. I'm like, man, that's amazing. I Listen, could never the right side of your headphones, like if you got some headphones, some cheap headphones. You sing a da 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 da. It, it make you sound like you're stuffed up, but it will go in as a uh, you as know a, as, as a, a microphone. Mic yeah. So I was recording like that and putting it in like out there, and people was like, "Oh, he sounds stuffed up." And I'm like, "Look, if y'all knew that the mic was under like this <laughs> while I was recording, you know what I'm saying?" So you know, you gotta excuse my earlier stuff, but no, you sure. know, I did what I had to do to make sure that I put my stuff out there and became visible. And just from me just putting stuff online, that's when managers produce. Producers and all kinds of people start hitting me up. So now you sh you shoot to Atlanta to start working. The group I met you you was working with was called Full Scale, Full Circle. Yes, Full Scale. Full Scale. Yes. Yeah, it was you, Infinity, and DJ, DJ Camper. DJ Camper, yeah. right? And the DJ big as ever now, man. <laughs> he doing everybody's stuff. He's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's always been. He's amazing. always been like that. But we was the young ones out of like everybody. You know right. what I'm saying? And so. Um, me and DJ, we would like, he would send me beats and be like, yo, TC, like, kill this. And then I'll just record it on my little gateway computer. You know, I advanced and I got me a little headset. So, you know, <laughs> I started sounding a little extra crispy then after that. I'm like, oh, I'm out here killing them, you know. And so um, me and DJ would just send records back and forth and just like sing and do different things. And we actually came out to Atlanta at the same time because we were all a group. It was three of us, like you said, mm -hmm. Infinity, me, and DJ. And we was just working, just working, and just working every day, literally. Yeah, man. Y'all had some joints too, man. Um, so then 
as you work with Infinity in, in, in full scale, um, what was the next step to catapult you into like the actual, because I know you were working with artists, but what catapulted you to the next phase of your career from there? Um, I will say when I first moved to Atlanta, I was kind of just like winging it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I didn't have the best support because like my family was real big on like, you know, if you graduate, you go straight to college, you get, you know, the regular job, you work a nine to five and you, you know, you have something to show for yourself. And for me, it was, it's always been singing. And so my family wasn't really like supportive of that, but I know that it came from just a loving place of them wanting me to do great things. And they just felt like that's the route to be great. Right. And so when I jumped out, like I had a lot of backlash from it and just all kinds of stuff from right. the fam, you know, and um, I was willing to be homeless. I was willing to like really do whatever I had to do to actually get my music out there. And I was sleeping on people's floors, um, just going to the studio. I didn't have money to eat with, you know. And so I started working with um this artist named Ashley. She was an independent artist. Mm-hmm. And when I started going over there, I started vocal producing her and you know, we started creating these great music, this great music and my first single that was supposed to come out was actually her and a record with Nicki Minaj. Mm-hmm. So Nicki got on the record and that was like my first time like, oh my god, I'm about to have a record come out. And then from there, um, I was working with Sounds, and we did a song with Chili from TLC. Mm-hmm. And that was another record that was supposed to come out, but they never came out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, oh shoot, I'm about to, I'm about to get it, but it, it ain't, it ain't happen. Right. You know, but the songs are out there. You know. Um, but I, I think when I actually moved into Atlanta and I started navigating in different circles right. instead of just one, because I was so with the team. You know. Right. Um, I also had to have like a mindset of I need to work with everybody too. Yeah, you know, because like when you do these um, deals with producers and y'all team and stuff like that, as a writer, if you're just working with that team, you're not really expanding your creativity. Absolutely, you know. So it's good to work with different producers also as they're writing with, diff- with, with different with different writers. writers you right, know, right. So once I started like really pushing myself to be out there to actually write with different people, that's when a lot of things started happening for me. Absolutely. And then also aligning with people that actually see the potential in you, and it's not like, oh well, that demo, uh, I don't think we we shouldn't send that to such and such, or we. Nah, I don't know about that one. It's like, dang, how do you not know you, if you ain't going to play it for them? You right. know what I'm saying? At least let them say no. Yeah, let right. them say That's how my first manager was. And so I knew that I didn't really have the support, so I knew I had to go outwards and really, like, work with everybody that I could mm-hmm. to kind of, like, put my talent out there and let people really know, aside from just online. And once I did that, I feel like things started, like, really changing in my career, you know? Right, yeah, right. So... That's and that's key. how we connected. Yep. You know, and I will say, like, when I moved to Atlanta, I was at that point where it was like, nothing is sticking. Like, I got all these songs that's about to come out. They're not coming out. I don't even know if this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Absolutely. And when you homeless and you just sleeping on everybody's floor and you just going to work every day, you can't really pay for your food. And everybody's like, I got you, TCE. Oh, I got you. You start kind of feeling like, man, I'm like, maybe I'm not supposed to do this, you know? Absolutely. And um, 
that's why I always like appreciate you because like when we started working, um, you and your wife like took me in. Yes. And um, y'all didn't have to do that. You know, because we was newly getting to know each other Absolutely. and stuff like that. But y'all saw, like, young talent. And y'all was just like, you know what? You can live here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? You you know, you can live here. I'm just like, I felt uncomfortable a little bit. But, you know, I also felt like, wow, I trust them. And you've been one of, like, the main people in my life that's just always been consistent and just always looking out for me. And I always tell people that, like, Mm -hmm. you've done great things in the industry, engineering and writing and vocal producing and stuff like that. But aside from that, you're actually a really great person. Appreciate that. And that's what I model myself after. You know what I'm saying? It's being good to the people that's after me, you know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. So yeah, thank you for that. Man, I really it's all love, you. bro. Man, listen, you gotta know, you gotta know when it's your time to do stuff for people and, and know what the opportunity is. The opportunity for me was to be able to help somebody, and I always felt like when I, you are, you know how my house, our house was. We had all these bedrooms, nice house, everything. We had every artist. I mean, some Listen, of these people. Everybody was up in there. Some of these people are famous <laughs> as ever now. Like they, they, they became the biggest of this and that. They on TV and on films. They all stay. You would come to my house. It was like Motown, literally. That's what it was. And like, some of them was kids at the time. Then they now they grown. Like it was crazy how many people came through that house. And we didn't ask nobody for a dime. We just wanted to make sure that. What we had, everybody had the opportunity. And we had a studio in the house. Yeah, like, that's the crazy thing about it is that you was one of those people that was like, you never asked me for rent. No, no, no. You never asked me to put groceries in the thing. And I'm just like, but, you know, I was young, so I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that they are, you know, really looking out for me. So, you know, like, when I got signed, the first person I even thought about was you and Keisha. Yeah, So, you know, just to be like, look, here's something. Thank you so much for just looking out for me because those moments were very beneficial to me as a person. Absolutely. Like, being able to get up and work and having somewhere to lay my head. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that really helps with the creative process. So, you know, I do feel like you're one of the key people that is the reason why I'm where I'm at. Well, when they put you in the Hall of Fame, just let the world know. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> well, I always let it know. You know, no, I'm, I'm that's one thing about that's, me. That's like, I've, I've never been that's a, a person that that's will never fact. tell people that, look, this person looked out for me or I love this person. I'm inspired by this person. Absolutely. I do this. Like, I give everybody they flowers, and I've always been like that. that it, now, that's, that's a fact. Because I was in uh, I was in L.A. by myself on some other stuff. And some and dude was like, oh, you see no. I'm like, yeah, what's up, bro? He's like, aren't you TC brother? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, I, I just saw him in Vegas or somewhere. He was just talking about you. And this was like out the blue, like just some random. So you, what, what you're saying is absolutely true, bro. Um, I think what, what people also need to understand is when people are genuinely there for you, there's not, there isn't anything attached to it. There's just genuine, I'm just doing it for you. Because the way I look at stuff is, if I bless you, there's going to be somebody bigger than you that blesses me, and so on and so forth. So that's how me and my wife, that's how we look at things. We don't do stuff for stuff. We do it. It's about the intention. And you won't know. Like, I'm the one saying it. Right. You know what I'm saying? I would have never told. Everybody everybody ain't going to really say that, but I'm going to say it because I'm not ashamed from where I came from. Absolutely. I know that I slept on the floor, but that's a testimony to where you can go to where you get to. You know what I'm saying? And everybody has a journey. And I feel like if you're transparent, you can inspire other people to get to where they need to get to in life just off of faith and just believing in your talent. 
and that's why your fan base is what it is. Because I remember before YouTube was big, I was trying to explain to them, we had a writing team. Me, Lachey, and, and TC had a writing Connect, team called The Connects, yes. right? So I was trying to be innovative. I was the older, the oldest of, of all of us. And I'm like, bro, we need to do our own TV thing. We need Now, mind you, we didn't have cameras and stuff. So we would record. We would have my computer, and we would be in the studio, and I would turn the record button on on, on the iMovie or something. While I'm recording. While he was recording. Absolutely. And we would, I would record our sessions. So that was like the first. And then TC, I didn't have YouTube. TC did. We didn't know nothing about monetization. We didn't know nothing about that. If we knew that, then... We'd have been, we would be worth $400 million right now. Absolutely. Because we was doing it way before anybody behind the scenes in the studio. We was doing it. We'd be in the studio with Jacob. We'd record, like, when we do the commercial with Jacob, we record that, like, literally off of the laptop. So it'd be just sitting in the corner angle. And then you, every now and then you'd see me go look. And then I'd go move it over to the side so you could look and see the person in the booth. Like, that's what yeah, we were doing. Crazy. This was back yeah. in, like, 2000. And, and you know, before monetize, monetization, I was actually one of the first people to be monetized. Absolutely. But because I covers. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, is like when I signed to Sony, I was like, oh, I can't do the monetization. And that was like my biggest like, like I should have jumped on it because that is like totally different from my deal that I did with Sony. Right. That's just off of your plays and different stuff that you get on YouTube. YouTube. I would rack the, man. Man, listen. If you, if you knew, if we knew I've, better, I've been had the deal. I've been had the YouTube deal in 09, 08. Right, before you it was popular. Before, yeah. Yep, yep. But I was so scared to do it. And I didn't really know business, business like that, too, absolutely. to be honest with you. Yeah. And absolutely. And that makes sense, man. What One thing you got to always, when you're the, quote, when you're, quote, unquote, the innovator of something, when you're doing something for the first time and you trying stuff out, you don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. If I'd have knew, as much money and stuff we was making when we was doing something, I'd have had how the, the high quality cameras we got here today. I'd have had, had the joints at the crib. I just we just didn't know what we were doing. We were just trying to do it. I go back and look to this day. It's just at the really archive. the love. It, we just literally. had the love for, right. and we wanted to show people like what we doing. But I was already familiar because I was I was the young one, so I'm like I'm putting it. everything online. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yo, I'm doing the uh, eye streams. I'm doing you remember eye stream. Like I'm doing all of that stuff. Like so I've always been like tech heavy as far as absolutely like online because that's what actually got me where I'm you at you the one convinced me to get on Instagram and all that. I, no, I wasn't trying to do nothing man I was like I'm from the back in the day like we, no face no case that's how I was so and TC was trying to man you tripping man you need to do this you need to do that so your first placement talk us through your first placement man because I, I want the inspiration to people to understand the, the process of how you... Because I heard the record with Nicki Minaj. You played it for me. Yeah. I heard like all the records he's talking about. I heard the, the Chili record that you did with Sound. I heard them that ne the world never had a, got, got the opportunity to hear until they Well, they play them in the club. Yeah, like right. the Nicki record, right. like they play it crazy in D.C. and different stuff. Like people be calling, yo, did you do this record that <laughs> Nicki Minaj is on? I'm like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> you know? right. but, but talk yeah. about it. Talk about um, the first place. Well, it was just like a situation to where I, it was an independent artist. And um, at that time, like I said, I didn't have money. I didn't have nothing. So when I was going there and I was working with the artist, like her managers and them was like, here, here you go, TC. Here go a little something, something. And I'm like, okay, you know how you don't want to count the money in front of her? Right, right. You want so to step to the bathroom. You be going to the side a little bit. Like, did he just, and then when I counted, I'm like, dang, he just gave me like $500. And so every time that I went in there, like he was just handing me just like wise of money, just wise of money. And I'm like, dang, like, I can get money like this to just, like, 
you know, uh, vocal produce and write for your artists and stuff like that. And so he, Prophet, that's his name, 550 Music. Um, Prophet was one of the people that constantly kept money in my pocket to where I was able to survive after a while of being in Atlanta. Because once he found out who I was, he was like, yo, you need to get here and start working with my artists, like play it, this. I'll make sure that you good. And so him, um, Stan, even mm -hmm. though we didn't have records to come out, like he would fly me out to Miami mm -hmm. um, and put me up in mansions. And I mean like 10 bedroom mansions and it'd be like, I have the master, his artists will have one of the, the rooms and then his producers will have the other rooms and I'll be there for like months at a time just writing and recording and he will always just put money in my pocket. So, you know, I've been blessed to be around people that always saw the talent in me mm -hmm. as a young kid and they always looked out for me. You know what I'm saying? Just, Absolutely. Just like, look, I see you working, like you keep your head down and you just go into it and they always blessed me, you know, so it was crazy. That's dope. So now let's talk, let's, let's keep walking now. So now you stand at my crib now and we working on, you, you come to me, I remember, I don't know, I think we was in a car ride and he's like, yo, bro, I got this idea, this record, man. Well, you know what? Actually, I was still... I was still staying at Infinity Infinity House because yeah, I picked Infinity's. you up. You yeah. right. You right. So you right. with that record, what happened was that's right. That's where I was at the point where I was about to move back to Kentucky. To Kentucky, you was about and to go I, home. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I can't do this no more. I'm I'm tired. I'm not getting no placements. And then uh, Brandy, she was actually in Atlanta recording for like the Human album. The Human album. Yeah. And I would go to the studio and they'd be like, Man, we just met Brandy. I'm like, what? And why y'all didn't call me? Y'all yeah, didn't yeah, yeah, yep. call me and let me know that she came to the studio? Y'all just gonna tell me in my face like when I walk in. Nah, she just left, literally. What? Yep. So it kept happening and kept happening. Everybody's like, yo, I just saw your girl Randy. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, it's not happening. Like, I want, just want to meet her. Just want to meet her. Just tell her I love her. And... um. I was just over. I was just like, you know, nothing's like really sticking. So I had a prayer. I remember having a prayer that night and um, I was just like, you know, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Like, is this like, what am I supposed to Absolutely. be doing in life? Like, am I supposed to be doing music? Like, give me something, like, give me something. And I literally woke up out of my uh, sleep. And the first person I called was actually Sounds. Sounds, yep, yep. And I called Sounds and I was like, yo, I, I have this idea and I know how we're going to get on Brandy's album. And he was like, tell me. <laughs> right. And I broke it down to him. He was like, oh my God. I was like, and I know who I want to do it with. And so that's the next day because it was like late and I know I could call sounds like anytime because he'd be sleep. up. Yeah, right. he never sleeps. So yeah. the next day, like I called you and I was just like, yo, I really have this idea. I think that we could really put this into motion. Like, I really believe in it, right? Because I felt like the dream just told me everything, everything. right? Yeah. Yep. So we all um, we all met up that weekend, which was my birthday weekend, yep. the nineteenth. Yep. My birthday is the sixteenth, but it was the nineteenth that yep. Sunday. On that Sunday, yeah. We did um, acapella. Something's missing, and it was placed on her Monday. Yep, that's absolutely right. And, and and I remember you telling me the idea in the car when I came to pick you up. Yeah. And you was basically like, the name of the song is gonna be. Acapella, you had the whole title. Acapella, something is missing because the music is missing, but the music isn't missing because her vo it was take six-ish. The music was her vocal. Right. But we just didn't know how we was going to get there. 
Yeah. So we met at, at my crib. My wife cooked a huge dinner, yes, big old did. lasagnas yes. and salads, yes, and everything. And we went crazy. And Sounds didn't want to leave, didn't want to go home because he wanted to stay there and eat. Let's do another one. Let's, let's like wait. Man. Yeah, he wanted I'm to eat. So, but I'm, that literally, that literally, I remember you telling me about that the the day before. And then when and I, we all met there, um, and Brandon Creed was the R E N R name. Yes, Brandon. That was Creed. his name. Yeah. Sounds had a relationship with Brandon Creed, I think. And Sounds sent the song to Brandon Creed. Right, literally, we we, we finished recording. Right. But I had a, a relationship with him, too. Because no, that's you right. I had you went right. to work with Menudo. Menudo, you and right. And so right. that was like my first time doing TV was Absolutely. the MTV making the band Menudo. Yep. So they right. flew me out to Orlando to work with the Latin group, right? Yep. And so he was taking me to the airport. And he was like, yo, so you're going to Atlanta. You're not going back home at this time. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what you doing in Atlanta? It's like, I'm working. Like, I'm trying to. I want to write for Brandy and he was like Brandy I was like yeah I, I love her and so yep. he was like I just signed Brandy yep sure did I said what <laughs> <laughs> so we we had that relationship and he knew he knew like yeah he knew that was your, that was your people's right he, he was like oh god TC if you if you hit me up about Brandy again Jesus like he was just over it so the good thing is when that record was sent to him Brandy was actually saying that she would love to do like an acapella kind of record yep. so it just it just worked out up. it literally yeah. the next day it was it was place. That's why I feel like it was definitely God. That Absolutely. was kind of like, let me bless you real quick. So the, what, what, the part of the story he's leaving out is, it was me. It was this was after the record was placed, and it was recorded. Yes. <laughs> and we was at the house working on I don't know we were working on somebody else like another demo. It was me. A Backstreet writer, Boys. Backstreet Boys. No yeah. no no. Yeah. Backstreet, Backstreet Boys. Because Thurston came by. Thurston Hargrove came by the house. Yes. Yes. Oh my God! You about to tell <laughs> So we at the crib in the studio working on this Backstreet Boys record, and Thurston over there, and TC phone. Your phone rang, right? Yeah. My phone and who was on the phone? Yeah, it was Brandy. It was Brandy calling him to tell him how dope the song was, and she can't wait for it to come out, and blah 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 blah. She's like, I'm gonna sing it just like just you. Just like, like you. I, you did everything perfect. I was so listen, we sitting in the studio, TC sitting in the middle of the floor, Indian style, and just bust out crying. Thurston like Thurston's like a guy from the East Coast. He real like, what's up, son? Yo, whatever. He was like, yo, yo son, this, this is this cat crying. crying for real, son? Right now in the studio. Man, listen, when I tell you we talked about him for about a month after that, Tisha's like, I don't care. Y'all can laugh at me. This is the, you remember that? I, we was laughing so hard. I didn't hard. care. I didn't. It was, he didn't care because what it was, was it showed was the passion because a lot of times people do things for checks and people don't understand opportunities are not always attached to a check. So you, to me, that showed me if we got zero dollars or a million dollars, it didn't matter to him. It was the opportunity that was presented to him to do something that he was looking forward to. And a lot of times, artists, I mean, writers, producers, and artists overlook the opportunity because it's not attached to a check, not knowing that there's a bigger opportunity behind it because off of that song coming out and the, the noise it made in the industry, not like, you know, it was a single and all that, the industry part of it, uh, was so big like everybody in the music industry was talking about this record what it did was it created work for all four of us for years after that but and it was money that we that the money we made off that song was cool but it it, it didn't compare to the money we made all of the all of the all of the other records that came after that because of that one song now 
to me, that says make sure you take advantage of all opportunities because your best ability is your availability. You have to be available for all opportunities and prepare for when they pre present themselves. And then you don't turn the wrong thing down. And I ain't saying take everything, but yeah, you gotta feel it. Yes, you gotta, it's gotta absolutely. be a passion. And for absolutely. me, when I came into the industry, I just wanted. Well, one, the goal for me was to work with people that I was inspired by. Yes, and I didn't care if I got paid for it. You know, I will be outside if I had to sleep on the corner to to work with these people. I'm doing it. I'm taking the opportunity. Absolutely. Because for me, writing for the artists that I loved was kind of like me paying homage to them for inspiring me to do what I do. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I never took anything that I did with those artists lightly because it like when I was at my lowest points, those were the artists that I listened to, right. you know, when I felt like I wasn't good enough or that, you know, I was going through those moments, mm -hmm. which we talked about, like they pulled me out of that, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? And so I've always had the respect for the people. And that's why, like to this day, anybody that has inspired me in some kind of way, I always say it regardless of the relationship. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So now let's move forward, man. So we, Brandy come out, boom. Next thing you know, you in the studio with J-Lo. You in the studio with Justin Bieber. You in the studio with- Well, the Backstreet Boys. The Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we in the studio with the Backstreet Boys. Because we was actually in the studio with the Backstreet Boys before the Brandy record came out. Absolutely. Yeah. And that Backstreet Boys record originally wasn't for the Backstreet Boys. Remember, we was trying to get on Leona Lewis. Absolutely. And we sent it to DJ Wayne Williams and at the time, we was like, this is, we, because at the time, we cool with Wayne because Wayne is Jacob's A&R. And we like, man, this record, this, this is going to be for Leona. At the time, Leona Lewis was an artist from London or something, right. UK, and she was doing big things over here in the States. So we were trying to get on her album. And this, the song's called Shattered. So we talking to Wayne, like, this going on her album, blah, 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 blah. Wayne was like, all right, let me just, let me live with it. So this is how God work. Again, stepping in on our behalf. We send Wayne a record. He's playing a record. There is a, I forgot the, Barbara something Whites. I can't think of her name, but she's like over everything over there at Jive, Sony. And she comes into the, uh, to Wayne's office while he's playing the record that we send him. And she said, who's this, you know, whatever, whatever. TC, by the way, all the songs, TC pretty much be singing every song. So she's like, this record is crazy, you know. This record will be perfect. He's like, perfect for what? This for this record, this is a submission for Leona Lewis. She was like, uh-uh. This will be perfect for the Backstreet Boys. Wayne Carter said, what y'all think about that song going on the Backstreet Boys? He's like, the Backstreet Boys? I ain't no way they gonna be able to sing this song. The song too high, you know, because TC singing, his range is unbelievable. So we're like, there's no way that they're gonna be able to take this record. Wayne was like, well, I'm they want to do it. They want to do it. So what y'all, what y'all, this was Tuesday. What y'all got going on Thursday and Friday? We like this week. We like nothing. We, we trying to get a placement. So we end up going to LA. To LA, yeah. To, to record the record. That was my first time ever. See, I'm the new, the kid of the group. Right. So they're like my big brothers and big sisters, like him and Shay. So I'm also learning also while I'm with them because I don't know nothing. I haven't been nowhere. I, w I had never went to New York. I had never been to LA. So these trips that we were taking was my first time ever being out of 
Atlanta right <laughs> or Kentucky you know right. what I'm saying like Atlanta right. was big for me Miami was big for me and I'm like oh my god I'm going to LA right. so that was a big moment for me you Absolutely. know yeah and they and, and, and Howie Brian and, and Nick all of them took took to us man they treated us well one of the guys brought up this is when the Jaguar had changed their body style I think Howie had bought a Jaguar and was racing it up and down the street at the studio. That's how much money the, these these gentlemen had. They were just buying cars. Let me get that. They, they literally had a semi-truck with cars on them. They would pull them off and test drive them in, at the studio. Like, yeah. we were seeing yeah. stuff we never saw before. Uh, video games came. A, vid a video game was coming, like John Madden, whatever year it was, was coming out. But it didn't come out for two months. Nick Carter got they the copy got of it. They, they ain't playing it. In, the, yeah. in the studio. We was like, what kind of life do these people live? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was crazy. But I say all that to say, it opened us up to a whole nother area. We were writing, we were R&B writers. We're in, well, we had some pop stuff, too. No, we did, we did but, but... I was the pop head. I think I was more exactly, so the pop head exactly. out of the group because they they will, like, R&B everything. Everything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the longest rose. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, that, you know, I loved it because I was the vocal. Like, I, right. I, I didn't... I did everything. So, but pop, like, Backstreet Boys, that was... For me, that was like, oh my God, I'm right. Britney Spears. If you right. Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, right. seek like I'm in it. The, I'm ready. So what I did was me being the business guy of the group. I went to re Google them. You know what I'm saying? So I look. I'm like, Backstreet Boys. I knew who they were because my my little cousins used to like they song, and they had some joints. I wanted that. I like it that way. Whatever it was, and they had some. I wanted that. I wanted that way. Want, and yeah. They had that, yeah, like they had some hits. Now I did not know. That their hit records, my bad. <laughs> their hit records were wrote by the group Full Force, who I knew from growing up as a uh, a youngster. They had a lot of dope records growing up, but then they were also in house parties. Like they were like the big bully, the big bullies in house party. I didn't know that these guys were the ones writing all the hits for Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys. So they was filthy rich. They came up in the R&B world. So to me, it was just amazing to see that we as in black people were doing this music for the, these artists absolutely I thought it was amazing Britney all of them they was working they, with they, black they, yeah, black they, uh, creators yeah and and so that's that opened my eyes as I researched these gentlemen that this is something that we could do and then I realized when we went to work with them I think they had sold like 200 million records at that time before you know before working with, before we got a chance to get in with these gentlemen and to knew that to know that we were going to actually be on that album I was like man that was actually unheard too because um Backstreet Boys you know if you know them it's Max Martin yep. like they're they're going to stick to the certain producers and writers to write their stuff yeah, correct. and for us as you know black new. creatives new to the industry coming in and actually working with the Backstreet Boys that was big because there was like nobody really on the album it's like, you know, yeah, it's a little a different. Fact. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that was a big thing for us, but it just lets you know that it's not really about the name every time. It's about how great the record is. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so now we're moving forward, man. Let's get into this Justin Bieber thing, man. How did you get how did you get that that Justin Bieber situation, man? I wasn't I, a part of this. This was this was I, when he called and told me, like, see, you never gonna believe this. I was like, Yeah, I actually would believe that, TC. This come on, bro. But yeah, I was still, listen, all my friends know, like, when stuff happened for me, like, I will call them, like, man, you will never guess what just happened. They just, like, 
okay, TC, all right. right. But for me, it was new for me, you right. know, and I also had to learn that every friend is not the friend to tell that stuff to. Absolutely. Because now they're looking at you like this dude just always bragging about who he working with. And for me, purely it was just like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Because I feel like everybody was rooting for me in the struggle, but now when everything's happening, now it's bragging. And I'm just right. like... I'm not bragging. I'm just excited. Like, Absolutely. I can't believe this is, you know, happening. happening. So <clears throat> I call you and I tell you everything that was going on. I actually, this is when I just signed my deal with Sony. Sony and TV. they asked me who I wanted to work with. Mm -hmm. And I remember I said, I want to work with Tamar, Tony, Beyonce, Dark Child. And so, like, I had a list. And it was like, Okay, let me reach out to Rodney, you know, and see that it is whatever. And so people don't know this, but like while I was a kid putting my music out on um, these different sites, clicks, yeah. Rodney would bring his writers in and be like, yo, listen to this kid. All his writers. And they're listening like, yo, this dude is crazy. Like he just covered this song and he covered this song. And he was like... This is this is special. This is special. You know what I'm saying? Anisha told me that herself. And I'm like, he really did that? Yes, he did. So um, when the opportunity came, he was just like, yeah, bring him out. And so I was only supposed to work with Rodney for like a week, right? Yeah, the records, just every record was just coming out. She Don't Like the Lights was actually the first record that I ever wrote with Rodney. And... I did like another record, it was placed, and then I did another record, it was play like it was just, he's like, I'm gonna keep you a month. I was there for like a month working with Rodney and just like, that alone was just crazy in my head because I'm like, I'm out here living my dream, I just signed my publishing deal and I'm working with Rodney, one of my favorite producers growing up. And like, he got me in the studio working on Justin Bieber. Not only that, he like, yo, I'm going to play this beat. Tell me what you think. And it's like, boom, down, 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 down. That's it. I'm like, okay. It's a loop, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, I need you to write this for Kiara. She coming in here tomorrow. I'm yeah. like, wait, what? Kiera so I'm shared. like, okay. So I go in. I write a whole record to an eight-second loop bridge verse and then on the bridge i did all acapella with harmonies and arrangements and stuff like that and i cut the bridge and then i went back into the hook and so he came in about a couple hours and listened to it, it was like whoa like you just arranged the bridge on your own yeah give me a click track out i can arrange anything right you know what i'm saying so he was just blown away by that and i think at that moment he was kind of testing me to see, like, mm -hmm. are you really great at what you do? Stop right there. He was testing him to see if he was great at what he do, which means all of those hours that he put in, he was prepared. As long as you're prepared, when God provides you the moment, you're ready to, to, to be successful in that moment. It's a reason why they have football practice, basketball practice, and so on. Or you going on tour, you rehearse nine hours a day for two months to go on tour. Because when the opportunity presents itself for you to show what you've done, you're prepared. So while you're waiting for all the artists out there that are writers or producers that's out there that's in those funks that we were in coming up in our careers, the reason why certain things happen for us is because we didn't cry, mope, 
be down. We, we we did all those things, but I we probably worked. did more than anybody. Yeah, absolutely, I, but but I we was the sensitive one. I cried about everything. Like, but I, we worked though at the same time. Absolutely, we, we were kept working. Yeah. So my thing is, even while you're going through the valleys, make sure you're preparing. So when you start on the uptrend, it's not luck for you. It's a muscle memory. That just like you go to the gym, you go to the gym to look better. You can't just go for a week and think you're gonna lose 50 pounds. You consistently do it. So one thing about any situation that comes, if you're prepared for it, consist and you're consistent in what you're doing, when you actually get into the game, it's not it's you're gonna be nervous, but it's not gonna be nerve wracking. There's right. a difference between being nervous and being nerve wracking, because now you can't perform at that at that 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 state of mind. Continue, my brother. I just want to point that out because you just dropped the gym. Yeah. I didn't want to miss it. No, of course. Um, and so that month was done, you know, and I'm I'm like, okay, well, I didn't hear nothing about the Justin Bieber record. So I, I'm thinking like, oh, well, he didn't do it, man. So Justin like dropped like the the track listing for the actual album, and Rodney sends a message like, yeah, um, tell TC congratulations because he's on Justin Bieber's album, and I'm just like. Well, I saw she don't like the light. So when I was looking at the track list before he sent that message, I said, man, he got a song, She Don't Like the Lights. Did they steal it from me? Because I <laughs> like, who else got a song title like that? I think, like, I, I go to my manager, like, Cersei, uh, the song that I wrote is on this album. Like, I don't know. He was like, yeah, Rodney just, he just sent me a message. Yeah, you on the Justin Bieber album. I was like, geeked. I call Chad. Bro, guess what? <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm on, I'm on Justin Bieber album. We went, we went yeah. crazy. I'm like, boy, listen, loan me some money when you get that, that check now. <laughs> 300,000 first week. See what I'm saying? Look at God. Units, and that's Units. before streaming. Yep. And million um, pre-orders. See what I'm saying? You packages. can't beat that. It's crazy. Preparation. That's when preparation opportunity meets, man. Things like this happen. Now, let's talk about the business of music, man. As a writer... I just want you to get in some game about splits and things of that nature, man, because I think it's important that you're getting on all these albums. Think about getting on all these people's albums, but you're not getting the proper split or the proper payout because you don't know your business. So when you when you do it, not working with us, not working with me, it's different. Working with anybody outside of like your circle of people you work with, what's your process of the business side of the music, of writing? Because I want them to understand that that's important. Well, I will say I had I had to learn as I went because like like you know I did things because I actually genuinely loved it and um, I created relationships with artists. So I found myself doing a lot of stuff for free. Yep. Basically because of the relationship and it's kind of like I didn't mind it, but also when you're not really making money like that and you got bills and different stuff like that. And everybody's eating around you, but you're the only one that's not eating. Those favors kind of be like, okay, can you throw me something? Like, right. maybe, like, yeah. So I had to actually learn. And to be honest with you, I feel like my biggest lesson was like 2017. Gotcha. And so uh, that's so many years. That's what five, six years of since like the Brandy album. Yeah. Um, well, more than that, yeah, almost like about eight, eight yeah, seven, eight, eight years. Yeah, yeah, eight. So all the way up into then, like I'm still learning about the business, mm -hmm. learning about publishing, learning about how all of these people own your music. And so for me, my biggest thing was 
aside from my emotional state. <laughs> yes, yeah. Because like when you first do a deal, you're thinking like, oh my God, like I'm about to sign and I'm about to do this and I'm about to do that. But the reality is when you do those deals, you still have to put in the work. Like these these big companies are not going to be like, oh, you know what? We signed, we're gonna put you in here with this and you gonna do that. Like I literally came to the table with placements. Right. Like, look, I can do this on my own. And so going into it, I kept that that same mentality is like keep doing what I'm doing and actually working and, and creating these situations for myself because the actual publishing company wasn't doing it for me. Absolutely. Right? But they are collecting the money. And then also, you also learn, like, when you put records out, oh, this is a Christmas album. This doesn't, this doesn't count towards your deal. But they're right. taking the money. Right. Oh, this record was released over in the UK. It don't count towards your recoupment. Absolutely. But they're taking the money. And so what he's so, saying, recoupment. So you get an advance, 200000 500 whatever your advance is as a song, as a publishing deal. In your deal, there are a certain amount of, there's either an amount of time you sign or there is an amount of percent you sign. So if I'm, a, if I'm a producer and TC is a songwriter, I produce the record, I own 50% of the song, he writes it, he owns 50% of the song. If you do a publishing deal for five songs, when you hear songs, you think it's five songs. No, the word song means 100%. So 500%. 500%. So if me and TC are doing songs and we're placing records, we both have to place 10 records because I own 50 and he owns 50. And 50 times 10 is 500. So they're getting 10 total songs of us, from us. So I want you to understand the business side. And that's if you get 50%. That's it, then right, right. when you place it on the artist, they'll be like, well, the artist wants 20%. 20%. So therefore, you're... Like, and a lot of times when it happened, it was taken from the writer. So it that never was be me. The producer side, so right. the producer, like, I'm not giving it to him. Right. And so I'll be like, I don't care. I'll give him the 20 you or 30 want, you want percent. Because I want the placement, right. you know. But I kind of feel like, you know, if it's 20 percent that the you artist wants, 10, want, 10, 10, 10, right. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying? We both leave with 40. Why am I, you know. Exactly. So that's another thing that I had to learn also. Absolutely. And then, like, once you do that and everybody's taking percentage of your publishing and stuff like that, you could end up with like 90 some dang on songs that they're collecting money off of Absolutely. and you still in your deal. And then you got to also know in your deal, like he was just speaking about, if song if a song is in TV and film, to us, that's a placement. It's, you're getting paid. It don't count towards your deal unless you negotiated that. Or uh, if it's on a Christmas album, if you didn't negotiate Christmas albums in there. Or EPs. Or EPs. Because a lot of people didn't include EPs, even though it's like seven, eight songs on the record. Absolutely. Because it's an EP, it's not really counted towards an album. So make yeah. sure that when if you guys end up doing these deals, one, you hire me to negotiate for you first, because you yes. never go wrong. But then two, <laughs> but two, make also make sure that you know what the legal terminology is that's for you and against you in the contract. Right. That way you know the pros and cons of whatever you're doing. And then if you're going to go for it, if, if you're going to do a five-song deal and you know you get 25% normally, 25% of a song, you know that it takes you four songs to equal one 100%. Absolutely. 
So you got to do that times five. So that's 20 placements you got to get. Know that in your mind so then you know how to negotiate your money. And if you think, okay, with well, 20 songs might take me three years to whatever, and you know your living expenses is 50K a year, you want to make sure you be able to run that number, your, your advance up so that you can take care of yourself and not have to worry about paying bills. So there's a whole lot of things that go on in this that you got to look for on the business side because everybody like the creative side but I'm the money man I, I mean, want to make real, sure it's right listen I'm real about my business ain't okay? no question so when I did my deal which I felt like was a great deal Absolutely. you know what I'm saying they offered me uh, 250000 for three songs and that's great and that was kind of like un, like that was kind of like whoa and, and you write your whole song it ain't like you need uh, yeah, nobody to write I write 50% of my songs exactly like, so that's a lot of my placements is just me just solely you. right yeah, right right so um, it wasn't a bad thing for me you know Absolutely. what I'm saying and so the thing is <laughs> I had an artist deal yeah right so I never thought about signing a publishing deal. And we actually had this conversation because that wasn't the first time that I was offered all these deals. Right. Um, I want to say like a couple of years, even when we were in our group, I had went to Miami to work or something. Mm -hmm. And I came back with six publishing deal offers. Yep. And I turned them all down because I was like, well, if my team is not going to be a part of the deal, then I don't want to do a do publishing it. deal. Right. And they was like, wow, TC, like. I like man, go get that man, money, go man. Go get that we, money, that's, that's, man. We'll be there anyway, brother. That, that ain't gonna stop us from writing. But records. you know, it really wasn't about the money for me, honestly, because I kind of felt like we, you know, just like I said, you looked out for me, and you know, I was never the person that's gonna step over anybody to get ahead. I'm, I'm feeling like if we doing this together, then we all gonna go together. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I was like, no, I'm not gonna take it. Right. And so I turned down all of them, yep. and um, I want to say another round of publishers some of the same and the manager was like tc you got to take these deals boy you tripping tc yeah i know that you want to do the group and just done this whatever and so you remember that that call we had i remember it i remember it. and so we had a call and it was like listen tc needs to take this deal you know the group we just he just needs to do it. So we just going to not do the group no more. Yeah, that's exactly and I'm like, oh, my God, they going to hate me because they going to feel like I done left them. And I'm just like emotional <laughs> and stuff like, man, I don't want to do that because I don't want them to think like I'm right. leaving them. Right. And so um, I finally was like, all right, let's let's just do it. And we already had an agreement. We, like, knew, look, we knew what it was. Yeah. Right. I was like. You know, matter what happens, like if it's a situation, like I'll just pull you in on it. And and when I tell you that man was pulling me into, yo, where you at? What city you in? Slide to the studio right quick. I come in. The song will be done. TC be like, oh, this is my brother Chad. Y'all say hello. Hey, can you change this harmony arrangement? I'm like, why? What's wrong with it? He like, shut up and just do what I tell you to do. So that was his way of saying, you own the song now. You know what I'm saying? It'd be crazy. It'd be like crazy stuff. I walk. We, we were we were in L.A. I think, and we was at a record plant. No, yeah, record plant with the uh, aristocrats. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he, he come to the studio. I come through. Hey, I need you to mix these records. Do this. You got five percent of every record. For what, bro? Cause you mix the records. Just do your thing. All right, cool. Send me an invoice for thirteen thousand dollars too. While I'm like, what? Like he was doing crazy stuff that you don't normally do. If you're a greedy individual, he was just doing things on the lookout. So yeah. the key about it is when you're loyal to people, the right people, they'll it'll come back around to you and you don't even because I wasn't expecting nothing. But the fact that we, our conversation we had, and I'm like, bro, get this money. We I'm going to be good anyway. That's how we, we were saying. And 
you got to make sure that you continue to treat people. Treat the my grandfather told me this years ago. Treat the garbage man like he's the C, he or she is the CEO Absolutely. because they just might be one day. And that's so true because one time I was working at record plant and there was a, a, a intern. We used to call him the Mexican Michael Jackson. That was a joke we had going on in there, right? But his name was Antonio. It was his first week working at record plant as an intern. And it was me and Rico working with Jamie Foxx. But we treated him as if he was a part of our team because our rule in the studio was everybody's energy, I don't care who it is, has to be up because it'll affect the record. Absolutely. And the room. And the room, yeah. So we was treating the intern like he was a producer or who, Brian Michael Cox or whoever. So that was, we did not know that this was his first week. We just was treating him how we treat everybody. Five years later, I go back to that same studio. Antonio is running record plant. He is the person who runs the studio now. He's no longer the intern. And he said, man, I just seen Rico last week. I asked how you were doing. I was in there. I can't remember who I was working with. He was like, man, I just want to tell you what I told Rico. I want to thank you for treating. That was my first week I worked with you guys. And y'all treated me so well that it encouraged me to continue on. He said, I thought everybody was going to be like y'all. But I realized y'all were one of a kind how y'all treated me. Now, if you ever need any one of the, because it, it was a record, it was Westlake. I said the wrong studio. It was Westlake. It's like two or three Westlake studios. He said, in LA. He said, I run all of them. If you ever in LA and you need a room, call me. I'll make sure you have a room in any one of them for zero dollars. It costs like 1500 a day up in that joint. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's important to just treat people. Like they're the CEO, even if they're not the CEO is my point, because you never know where it's going to go. So like T, let's go into this international songwriting, because this is what the people came for. What, how did you get your start in the international side? Obviously, we had records that our records did well over, like our Backstreet Boys record. A lot of our records did well overseas. But these, this is a different thing, because you're actually working with international artists. They're not American. So let's talk about how did you get that opportunity? Um, to be honest with you, 2017, I decided that I was going to quit music. Mm -hmm. Um, I went into like this whole depression and, um, I speak about this all the time. So yeah. I, I just be candid. Like I was very suicidal. Yes. And I kind of felt like everything that I've done in the industry, like I've always looked out for everybody and I've always done the right thing when it comes to like people. treating people right and Absolutely. doing trying to look out for everybody but then it also put me in a situation as to where I'm always getting the less out of everything so as a songwriter to be honest with you like we're the last person that like really Absolutely. gets what we're supposed to get Absolutely. so when we do a record you know they'll pay the producer 25,000 10,000 15,000 30,000 depending on who you're working with right and then it's kind of like, well, we paid for the record because we gave the, the money producer. to the producer. And now the songwriter who wrote the record, and a lot of times me, I was placing these records myself. I was engineering these records. I was singing these records. I was demoing these records. My vocals was on the demo. I was mixing these records. I was doing all of these things, and I wasn't getting paid for it. Right. So I was putting other producers in the position to get all of this money, and I'm like... Yo, y'all not going to kick back something because the label is not trying to pay, pay me. Feet, right. They're like, well, I got bills, bro. And I'm like, you just got 15000 20000 
on this record that I wrote, that I placed, that I engineered, that I vocal produced, that right. I, my vocals is still on that record. Even though it's out in the world. Even though it's out in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you don't even want to give me a thousand out of the 15. Right. So to me, that kind of made me be like, wow. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of put me into the the place where I was like, I'm I'm kind of like done. Yep. Because it's like, you know, everybody's getting like money except for me. Right. I got to wait two years for my ASCAP to get publishing. Right. And then you work with some people and they won't even put your name on the publishing. And then you look up and you're not even getting credit for these records. And, you know, money has been generated for these records. Yep. And I'm not seeing a dime from it. Yep. That, I kind of feel like that hurt me the most. Right. And it just made me be like, music is not for me because I feel like the the people that try to do good and do right by people and be crushed. honest yep. about it and not try to slime ball people out of anything and just be real with them, they're treated the worst. That's a fact. And... You know, anybody can turn it and perceive it how they want to. But, Absolutely. you know, when you when you move right, you always have receipts. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? And you can always pull it out. But the, the thing about me is I, I never wanted to be one of those people that was jaded by the industry. But I also knew that I deserved better. Absolutely. Right. So I quit. I went through this whole period of not wanting to do music. I separated myself from almost everybody in the industry except like you know chad and yeah. stuff and um i went to miami and i was just there just <laughs> i was just like in a weird place mm-hmm. you know and uh i got a call and they was like yo there's this record that we heard online we really want to buy this record and put it out and this was i want to say november 22nd Right, right before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. two thousand and eighteen. Uh huh. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. It was a song that I have for my album, but I was like, I'm done with music. I don't want to do it no more. Right. And um, I was like, y'all can have it. <laughs> y'all can have it. And I was like, really? Okay, cool. They sent me like my money the same day. Mm. I'm like, oh my god, I ain't never got paid this quick. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, what I got to do to get more? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but no, I was just like, y'all can have it. I, I don't want to do it. I don't want, I really don't want to do music. Cause my love, I, I kind of feel like that's what motivated me mm-hmm. more. So when I first got into the industry is the people that I loved and just like really being in the industry because I genuinely loved being like just creating music and creating right. music with people. It wasn't even really about the money. Absolutely. But it was also about also the respect. Respect that was there. And right. treating people right and treating people good. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so once I felt like it was just like nobody really like mm-hmm. treat me right or I'm in these deals where people was taking my money and I don't know that I'm in these deals and oh I signed as an artist so now you own my publishing. So when you do the publishing deal that's two fifty. The lawyer took fifty thousand, and then you did a, the deal with as an artist. So they took the hundred thousand that they give up front, and right. now you with fifty thousand. Then you with a CPA, and they're taking money out of their half, and then they're sending your manager twenty percent out of that two two twenty five. Uh-huh. Like you only got like twenty some thousand dollars. That's crazy. That was an eye open. I felt like that's what always happened to me. Right. And so, um, 
Yeah, sent them the record. The record was out in like three days, sure. which I'm like, wait, what? Big went ham. Like I didn't even know that you can put records out on DSPs that quick. You know right. what I'm saying? They gave me the money. They mixed the record, recorded the record the same day, and they put it out like within a day or two, literally. Crazy. And so um, I was working with these producers and um, the aristocrats, and they were like, you know, TC, they really want you to come to Asia. I was like, nah, I, I don't feel like I will be an asset to it because, like, I don't feel like I got it mm. anymore. I feel like I don't love it no more. Right. And they was like, is, is you crazy? Like, they want to fly you out to Asia. You always wanted to go to Asia. Right. They're going to fly you out. They're going to pay for everything. You just have to go and write. And I'm like, I just, I wasn't confident in it because I feel like I lost, I feel like. Lost your passion for it. Yeah, I just yeah. lost my love for it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And they was like, bro, I'm not going to let you like. Mess this up. Mess this up. Like, you're, yeah. com you're coming. Send me your passport. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. Sent them my passport. And I was in Asia in February and that was, we had the you conversation like in January months. and I was there for a month. Actually, yep. I was there for three and a half weeks. Um, and I just remember being on the plane and just like thinking to myself, like, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off because I haven't been writing mm -hmm. and I separated myself from music and I felt like I'm going to go here and I'm going to bomb, mm -hmm. you know? Right, right. And I just remember being on that plane and just praying about it and just being like, God, if you want me to still do music, <laughs> show me. It's one of the most, actually, it's like a full circle moment, like when I did, when the Brandy thing and I prayed about it and yeah. he gave it to me, right? Right. And um, I prayed to him about it and I was just like, if it's something that I'm supposed to do, show me. Went there three weeks, made 40 records, 40 records in three weeks. Left Asia, only had $200 in my account. I kind of felt like I really don't want to go because I ain't really got no money, money like yeah, that yeah, yeah, to work. be going. Right. And um, I was like, you know, if I got to eat ramen noodles every night, that's what I'm going to do. Word. Let's, let's just try it, you know. Went there three weeks, did 40 records, left with 20, almost 20-some records placed before I even got on the plane to go back placed i got off the plane trying to figure out where i was going to go because mm -hmm. i'm like i call my friend like yo i just need a couple hundred right now because you know thought i was gonna have to figure out the hotel i literally landed with 20 some thousand dollars in my account off of the records you placed so you knew what you knew what it was i was like I, I cried about it absolutely i cried about it because i kind of felt like there was uh it was like a situation to where it was just like, ah, oh, this is, okay. Finally. I get it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I kind of feel like a lot of creatives go through that moment where they kind of doubt themselves a lot. Absolutely. Because it's, you really have to have the, the faith and the passion to do this mm -hmm. because it's really not the faint of industries. Absolutely. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Yes, sir. Um. You know, when you get into the industry, you feel like everybody's going to love you and they're going to embrace you and they're going to look out for you, especially the older generation, yep. you know, and the reality is like nobody has to like you at all. Nobody has to. Yep. And that's the reality. You know, don't go into the industry thinking you're just going to be friends with this person. You're going to be friends with that. They don't have to like you. 
and I and I feel like when I came into the industry, I just I wanted to be loved. Right. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I yep. wanted to be embraced by the people that I loved, and that's just not the reality of Absolutely. it. And I had to come to terms with that myself, you know. And um, yeah, it was just an eye opener for me, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Okay. From there, there's spending like six months out of the year Over going there. back and forth to Asia. Yeah. yeah. Now let's talk about the difference between how business is done in the United States and how business is done over there. Because it's a bit, it's a, there's a difference. What I mean by that is how you can sometimes get writer's fees if you're a writer here. They don't pay them over there. Oh, they don't. Oh, that's over. No. So you got to make a, a deal with the producers before you start writing to their stuff. This is my writer's fee. Or well, I'm not writing to your stuff. Here's the thing, though. This is the crazy thing about it, right? When I first flew over there, it, it's just all a, a symbolic kind of situation because it's like I was in coach, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, let's give this little guy a, a shot, you know? Left with those placements, and they're like, whoa, like, this dude came. He's great with this. He's great with that. And they saw me do everything just like up close. And a lot of the Asians was like, this guy is like a genius. And I'm like, y'all think I'm a genius? <laughs> and so, you know, it kind of like, kind of raised my confidence in a, a little Absolutely. bit. You know what I'm saying? And so um, going over there, also meeting the artists and they're actually fans of my music. That makes it better. That was like, yeah. wow, you know who I am. And they're like, I see your viral videos. I follow your YouTube. These are huge K-pop artists. Yep that listen to my records, you know what I'm saying? And so it was a, a confidence boost, right? So now coming over there, it's like first class, mm -hmm. you know. You get to lay down. Just to make sure I get to lay down. Yeah. I kind of felt like my butt was going numb, like when I was sitting <laughs> on the seat when I first went over there. Now I'm like, I'm just going to lay down Look, and take a nap. You know, shit, yeah. Shit, some wine. Yeah, there ain't nothing to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> man. And so, you know, everything just, it just started being different, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And over there... I will say this over there, the artists are appreciative to the creators. Yes. Here, everybody wants to be, oh, well, you know, I wrote this when I was in my bathtub. And they wrote And I did it, you know. And, wrote and you sitting home thinking, like, well, I just, even though I got the demo. Right, right, right. <laughs> even though I sung the demo, like, okay, you can right. have it, whatever. Right. You know, you don't trip about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you just Do pay you, me. I'm right. Cool. Yeah. You just want to make sure that you get your credit and you get your, your whatever, yes, you know. Sir. And so there, they're very big on making sure you're properly create, uh, credited for everything that you do. But also because of the things that I went through in the industry here, yes. it kind of set standards for me now doing business when you in go. another country like I'm not doing this. Right. And so now it's kind of like anything that places, I'm getting money off of it. Mm -hmm. I'm getting my fee. And you this is already set. And, let, like, and let's say you place a lot of records over there, a whole lot. Yes. If you write 50, 30 of them gone, for sure. Yeah. And that's a lot. So it's, it's totally different. You know what I'm saying? The business side is totally different. Absolutely. Because they don't, they don't pay songwriters over there. Absolutely. But I already let it be known if we're going to work I'm getting paid. Absolutely. I'm getting paid just like everybody. Because yeah. if you're getting 20 records placed over there, that's a lot of money that you're getting. That, and and you saying that I can't get a V? Yeah, it's over with. No, I'm not waiting a year to get my money. No, I'm not Absolutely. doing that. I want the advance and I want the publishing. Absolutely. You know, so I think because I was stern about that, there was like, that's what TC wants. Yep. 
and they made sure to look out for it. They make sure I get um, my money for singing backgrounds. I even learned how to sing Korean and harmonies. Now listen, I was <laughs> I was in there, okay? I was listen, they was paying me for everything. They'll send me sessions of the artists singing and they'll be like, just do you. And I literally sing the harmonies in Korean. Like I'm reading like okay. Uh, That's how you do it though. Yeah, that is actually Korean, by the way. See what I'm saying? However, you know that it it's it's like a challenge for me, right? Absolutely. So things are new for me, and I'm excited about it, and I'm starting to regain my love for and you music with again, the biggest, right? But the biggest artists over there too. That's the key. You're not coming over there working with like the C notes of the Korean oh, pop. You, you're working with like the you, the Beyonces yes. of the pop. And EXO. The, if people know who BTS is, yes. EXO is BTS before BTS. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. No, then that's not a slight, slight to BTS at all. At all. At all. But EXO yeah. was like the was biggest first. pop yeah. K-pop group ever. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And BTS has just went and just did they think because they're more international. But over there, EXO is still them people you know right. um i had the pleasure of writing their last single co-writing their last single um and the album that is sold 1.3 million in pre-orders before the album came out that's correct and when we think about pre-orders yep that's actually physical albums that's yeah not it's, it's, it's actual yeah exactly that's actual albums it's yep. like you get a booklet and you're it's the, like a whole book of pictures yep. credits yep like it's it's a whole movie. So yeah. I remember getting my first booklet and being like, "Oh my god!" Like yep. this is how y'all do it. Like we remember we get the jewel case and we open, open it. Up. We excited to pull that little pamphlet <laughs> yeah, out and we read it with the lyrics name? and stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. They got the lyrics. They got the credits in there. They got pictures. Homie, like you know he. <laughs> yeah. They good, you right. know. And so that was that was a huge moment. One point three million. And pre-orders. That's crazy. And then because my name was just going so crazy, like w their albums are different because they don't do 14, 15 songs. Right. That's an album, right? But they do mini albums. So it's like five songs, five, six songs. So five, six songs, 1.3 million pre-orders. It's not being split 10, 15 10, different, 10 different ways. ways. Yeah. So you're getting more money per song. Absolutely. So, it's, it's, so basically, you know, he said, if I ever get broke, I just need to ask for a loan. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it. Listen, it's, on, it's, listen, on, it's on the camera, right? <laughs> listen, I'm, listen, you know the crazy thing about it is, like, I'm restarting. Right. On a big, on a big scale, though. Yeah, I'm restarting. Yeah, on a big you scale. You know, and um, I've been blessed. I've Absolutely. been blessed because coming from where I was to going into a new situation, like, God has just always kept doors open for me yes sir even though people tried to shut them so many times he's always made a way for me to just walk into somewhere else to where i'm appreciated for what i bring to the table that's, that's and the biggest thing is actually knowing what you what you bring to the table because yeah. i kind of feel like when i was in the industry working for a lot of people in the industry i kind of felt like i didn't know my worth Absolutely. So when you don't know your worth, that allows people to treat you however they want well, to treat you because absolutely. you don't have boundaries or standards for yourself. So when you start setting boundaries for yourself, people look at you as the problem because they're not used to you sticking up for yourself. yourself. Yep. You absolutely. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when I learned that, look, I'm bringing the actual table to the table. Yeah. If I'm writing and I'm producing and I'm engineering and I'm singing backgrounds, I'm demoing and I'm mixing and I'm 
there's seven different jobs that you have to pay seven different people. Yep. But you because I'm doing everything right. myself, you don't want to credit me for everything, and you don't want to pay me for everything. It's Absolutely. a difference. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? So I had to learn that everything that I do deserves to be compensated for. Right. Everything. And I deserve to get credited for everything that I do because I do a lot. Yep. You know? And so I didn't know my worth, and I think that was the biggest thing in, in how I was able to you know change the situation for yourself yeah i had to change it i had to change it because when you continuously stay in the situation because you just want to be liked or you just want everybody to be like oh he's not going to cause a problem just give him anything and he's going to take it that doesn't set you up to be great absolutely it just sets you to be living paycheck to paycheck agreed because you want to make everything kosher you want everything to smooth out absolutely nah don't do that go after what you you're worth and get people that actually believe in you to go get it because as the talent a lot of times we can't really fight for what we really want because we have these relationships with these artists yes and we don't want to create complications but when you're not getting paid what am I supposed to do I'm so I have to get a lawyer now because now it's five six months and I don't have a check absolutely and the album's out Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to. But I, ain't but cho- I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And Absolutely. so I never did anything because, like, oh, you got to pay. It was never that. It was always, I just want to be paid properly for Absolutely. all the work that I do. That's it. That's it. And that's how you should always be. So I thank y'all so much for joining us. I want to tell you, thank you so much for coming out. Appreciate y'all for logging on. And one thing about a legacy. It is not what you leave for people. A legacy is what you leave in people. And one thing about a dream is it never expires. So thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for logging in. Y'all be blessed. This is your boy Chaz C. No Roper, the creator and host of Amplifier Community Connection. Amplifier is a free artist development program powered by Radio Milwaukee. Each episode is filmed and recorded in front of a live studio audience at Radio Milwaukee Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Stay connected with Amplifier by registering for our free events or watch us live on Facebook at MMKE. You can also follow us on Instagram at MMKE as well. Thank you for listening and remember, dreams never expire.